Welcome to this week's episode of the HC Hive, a podcast about all things HCI, UX, and grad school. We're now in Hershali, students in Georgia Tech's Human Computer Interaction Program. In this final episode of the season, we are circling back with our guests from the start of the season to hear more about their semester. So welcome back to Tushar, Gabriel, and Hannah. How about we start with kind of a round of reintroductions. Uh, Tushar, why don't you start us off? Hey everyone, I'm Tushar, happy to be back. I'm 22, I'm a UX engineer and product designer, and I'm a second year in the interactive computing track of this program. Great, we're excited to have you back and kind of chit chat with you. So thanks for being here. I'm Gabriel, I'm also 22, but I am a first year master's student also in the interactive computing track. Great, <laughs> glad to see two 22 year olds on the episode. I'm Hannah, I'm not gonna say my age because I feel old. I'm not 22 though, I'm a little older, but I'm a second year in the master's program now on the interactive computing track, which is actually different from where I was in the beginning of the semester when I was in the industrial design track. And yeah, I'm studying to be product designer. We're so excited to have you back, two 22-year-olds and one non-22-year-old. Uh, so thanks for joining us. So yeah, just to get things started, it's pretty safe to say that it's been quite the semester for all of us. Last time you mentioned that you did an internship and we're excited to be back in school. So how is that transition like going from work mode to school mode? Hannah, would you like to share your experience? Yeah, I think I was really optimistic at the beginning of the semester, thinking that I was just coming off of my productive eight to five work schedule. And I was, you know, just going to apply the same principle of like diligence, I guess, to school. But I think my work mode to school mode transition ended up being a lot slower. And I think it, it was because I ended up having like one class per day. And I just had so much extra free time that I, I lost so much structure to my day that I actually feel like the transition really only happened in November when final projects were kind of starting and final group presentations were really starting to pick up. And I, I was starting to get more structure during the day because I, I was get so much work in the last few weeks of the semester. So it was kind of slower than expected, but finally happened. And now we're back on break. So maybe I can take my learnings and apply it a little bit so that my, my transition from break to, to school next semester will be a little bit faster. But it was okay overall, I think. We're glad that you were able to add that structure back in even if it was only for like a two to three week sprint but yeah that's a great point I think for a lot of us it's kind of like easing into the semester but with classes not being quite like the eight to five structure and not mm -hmm. having that type of routine it's like a bit harder to get back into but yeah thanks for sharing that Gabriel what was your experience like this semester especially as a first year in the program I think what I learned from the summer and what I learned from my undergrad experience was that I feel a lot better and a lot more secure in what I've accomplished for the day if I keep to that eight to five schedule. So what I tried to do for the majority of the semester was constrict my working time to business hours. And obviously, you know, the circumstances change and people have obligations that are outside of my control. But for the most part, most of my work during the semester was completed between that nine to five period, which I thought was really helpful because it gave me a sense of finality that when the clock struck five or six, my day was over, I could go home, get in my pajamas and watch Netflix. Nice, yeah. It is very satisfying to like have that routine. And I'm sure a lot of us feel like when you close your laptop and feel like really done for the day, 
I wish I could say the same from my experience this semester. But anyways, Tashar, what was your experience like this semester? Was it pretty similar to Hannah's or Gabriel's? Yeah, it was kind of similar to, you know, parts of what Hannah and Gabriel said. For me, I think the, one of the biggest learnings I got from the summer was using my calendar very efficiently. <laughs> Throughout the fall semester, something that I learned was, you know, how do I plan ahead? How, how do I make the most of my calendar and my day? So, you know, setting down blocks for focus times, planning out my meetings for next week in advance and making sure that I block off uh, other people's calendars when I need to for scheduling things were, you know, just some of the things I tried to apply to the fall semester. The other thing that I learned was, I think, just the importance of asking the right questions during my projects. So I think my design rationale and just my thinking overall, I think about my projects more clearly and figure out what the goals of these projects were and how to get to those deliverables on time. But yeah, I think it was a good experience and I definitely learned a lot over the summer that I could apply over to school. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, all of us were working over the summer and I think one thing we all kind of noticed was kind of the benefit of the structure that work gives, you know, whether it's like that kind of nine to five, whether it's a more efficient use of our calendar. I think we all kind of learned that it's like nice to have that structure. And I think definitely like, as Hannah mentioned, getting that structure or kind of organically building that for ourselves has been kind of a challenge. Yeah, so good on you guys for, you know, making the most of the semester and, and finding what really works for you guys. So great to hear all those all those experiences. But last time you guys were on the podcast, way back in August or September, we all talked about kind of our goals and priorities for the semester and kind of what we wanted to get out of these few months. There was some mention of hitting the gym and building like new skills or building relationships. So we, we had some lofty dreams, I would say. But, you know, from, from your experience, do you guys think you found yourselves sticking to these goals? Did they evolve? Did, they, did you make progress throughout the semester? How's that kind of aspiration and, and journey been for you guys? Dushar, maybe you can start us off on this one. For me, I think August feels like a lifetime ago, to be honest. <laughs> but I think the two goals that I had set for myself mainly were to be more active outside of work. So I guess I was the one who said the workout thing. <laughs> and the other was um, to broaden my skill set inside UX, which was, you know, obviously I know that I wanted to get better at UX research to become like a more complete UX professional. So I think on the latter, I made a lot of progress because I did an independent study and I ran a lot of usability studies. I ran a lot of face-to-face, you know, uh, one-on-one semi-structured interviews and everything. So I did learn a lot about research. And in terms of the gym, <laughs> I would say that I wasn't that regular over the first three months just because of how heavy I, I had a very front-loaded semester. But over the last month or so, I've tried to be more regular on that front. And I think I'm see, I'm starting to see some progress, very small progress steps, but it's, it's good to finally get back into it. And I think the winter break will definitely help with that nice nice so maybe not the way you plan but it seems to have you you seem to have kind of achieved the things that you set out to do or are making progress so that's great to hear thinking back to my goals at the beginning of the semester i kind of said in the podcast that i was going to do zoom workouts and i was really excited to take classes more on the coding side as far as doing zoom workouts i had mentioned earlier in the podcast that i kind of lacked a lot of structure this semester so i think it was difficult for me to stick to the Zoom workouts because it wasn't long enough. So what I actually did do, end up doing a lot this semester, instead of like, you know, intense 30 minute workouts, I actually took like really long walks 
because I had so much free time in my schedule that it just allowed for one to two hour casual walks instead. So I kind of did some, you know, light exercise in a different way. And I also like the other purpose of doing Zoom workouts was to just kind of keep in contact with friends in like a fun way. And instead of doing Zoom workouts, we ended up doing using this app, I think it's called Teleparty or something like that. But we we ended up watching Emily in Paris on Netflix together. So that was kind of fun to discover a way to like, kind of still actively bond even from a distance. So that was good. So I guess I hit my goals in a, in a separate way, um, or using a separate method, but still somewhat hit it. And then I said I was really excited to take classes more on the coding side. And so I fulfilled that by taking Intoviz. And I actually really enjoyed it. And I was really proud of myself for learning JavaScript and D3. And actually, like, understanding at a level where I felt like I could produce a reasonable looking output. And I actually think that the class made me really interested in InfoViz. And I didn't really think that it was, I guess, like, coding was even a realm that I would be mildly interested in. But now that I have a bit more confidence that I've built from realizing, like, oh, I, I can actually, like, understand this language and, and build something pretty cool with it. I think it's kind of, I don't know, I think it's inspired me to see what else I can do with it and kind of take what I've learned from the class beyond the class, even, I guess, beyond the semester. So I think I hit my goals for the semester. Yeah, I, I definitely agree, Hannah. It was super cool to work with you on our InfoVis project together and see how far you came as a coder. Uh, that was really exciting because I knew uh, this was so new to you. So yeah, really cool to see that evolution. And I agree. I feel like our goals definitely changed just in terms of like how much school was and how much work like everything else was. So yeah, I, I hear that so much. But Gabriel, how about you? How has your progress been towards the goals you kind of set for yourself? I think I was also in the same camp as Tushar regarding learning a little bit more about UX and developing UX skills. I think that I definitely got my money's worth out of that. The two core classes this semester definitely kicked me around and taught me a whole lot. A lot of failure, which means a lot of growing. I do think that I wish that I had signed up for some technical classes as well. I kind of missed flexing my, my programming muscles. It's something that I found. I didn't realize that I would miss until I didn't have it, you know? So when I stopped programming this semester, I didn't program, we didn't build anything this semester, at least as far as implementation. So when I stopped, when I wasn't using that, that skill set, I realized that that was a skill set that I thought was important. And that's kind of guided my own vision for my career, in addition to the skills that I picked up over the course of the semester. It's great to hear that. I feel like you've learned a lot from like your core classes. And even if you felt like you weren't able to flex your programming muscles as much, there's still time for you to do that in these uh, remaining semesters for your part of the program. I think overall, a lot of things that you guys mentioned, like being able to hit maybe part of your goal the way you kind of imagined it back in September, and then some things kind of like not being able to kind of fulfill those goals as how you wanted it to, um, but maybe fulfilling it anyway, but in like a different way. But at the end of the day, like Harshali had mentioned, life happens. So I mean, things just, they don't always go the way we want it, but in general, it seems like you all were able to make the most of it. So we're really happy to hear that. But speaking of that, perhaps one of the biggest challenges for a lot of us this semester was that it was definitely different than what like a traditional in-person format would be like. A lot of us were taking courses remotely, perhaps even like a hybrid format 
which presented a lot of like different problems and things that we haven't really anticipated. But what did you guys like about this format or maybe not like about it? What were some things that you wish you knew that would have better prepared you for remote learning this semester? Gabriel, would you like to start us off on this one? What I learned from remote learning this semester was how important it is for you to set your own boundaries. There is a lot to do in remote work of any kind that just takes up your time. And if you don't effectively set boundaries for yourself, you're going to exceed them. And that means you're going to overwork. That means you're going to spend a lot of time that you could be doing for like self-care, like, you know, taking time off and spending your day, you know, reflecting on what you've been doing. And instead you allocate that towards building something else, working on another feature, conducting another user interview, whatever. So if you don't self-enforce it, the work is going to continue to pile up. And it's really not a matter, I know a lot of people like to place emphasis on how quickly you can get something done, but it's really not a matter of how quickly you get something done, more like how effectively you get what you can get done, done. So definitely set boundaries for yourself because if you won't set them for yourself, no one's going to set them for you and you're going to work until you just drop. So for sure, boundaries. I think that was one of the things that I struggled with at the beginning. And I was like, okay, I'm going to dedicate my whole time to working. And it worked for about two weeks. And then I dropped and I was like, holy cow, I need to reevaluate. And so enforcing that structure, enforcing those boundaries, saying I'm not working after six or saying I'm not working before you know eight is uh, a really good way of making sure that you don't work yourself to death. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, what you said about boundaries is, I think, a big thing for a lot of us. And we probably kind of learned that the hard way, I think, this semester. And then also, I guess just adding on to that, for me personally, I think it was adding somewhat of like a physical boundary. So I found like I couldn't really get work done if I was like sitting in a certain spot in my apartment and like having a set workspace kind of forced me to think like this is where I need to like be in this work mentality. Whereas like this other part of my area or environment is like where I can like chill and like not really think about that as much. Happy to hear that you're able to kind of reevaluate and then create like a more effective routine for yourself. Tashar, what was something that you wish that would have better prepared you for remote learning? Yeah, I think I completely agree with Gabriel's work-life balance point. I think that's still struggling with, even though I try to set boundaries for myself, sometimes I'm just like, oh, okay, I can just like take another hour in the night to finish this. And even though I will finish it, sometimes it's just like, should I have done that? <laughs> or, you know, should I not have uh, kept it for the next day and not, you know, just like being so intertwined between work and play. But in terms of what I liked about the format was, it, it's also something that I hate, which is, you know, the break between classes. I'm so used to being on campus and like going from building to building. It's like a nice change of pace. But on the other hand, yeah, or during remote classes, obviously you're not spending as much time commuting. So you, you get more time to be productive. But some things that I did not like are definitely the engagement aspect of it. I don't think I was as engaged this semester in my classes as I, as I have been in previous, like, you know, in-person classes, in discussions and everything. And another small pet peeve is definitely the breakout rooms <laughs> because I don't know if, if it's just the classes that I took this semester but the breakout rooms were pretty awkward there weren't a lot of people talking and you know when 
when there's like two people out of six in a breakout room trying to hold a discussion then it just makes you wonder why you're putting in the effort at all <laughs> so i don't know maybe there should be an etiquette that georgia tech publishes on you know how to be a good student during remote learning or something i mean i i don't think i'm the best student by any means but yeah it's just that breakout room thing made me less engaged because you know when i saw that others weren't trying i was like ah maybe i don't have to try either so yeah that's just my two cents right that's a great point about breakout rooms i know this semester for my classes some i've joined it's always awkward when you join a breakout room and you have your video on but no one else has their video on so it's like do you turn your video off do you try to dominate the breakout room by keeping your video on so there's a lot of things in play here but like you mentioned Tashar, maybe some type of etiquette thing or kind of like best practices could really help a lot of us thanks for sharing that and then lastly Hannah, what are your thoughts on remote learning and what did you like or didn't like about it? Similarly to Tashar, I think in the engagement factor was really just the biggest difference. I think I really had to rethink how I was being engaged or choosing to be engaged in class because I know when I was actually doing in-person classes, like it was so easy to show up and still like, you know, still be in person and, and show up, but still be distracted and, and, and like be on your phone and everything. And so now when we're, you know, adding the extra layer of being behind a laptop screen and being far away, it was just so difficult for me. So I really had to rethink how to maintain my engagement, whether that meant, you know, kind of like sometimes forcing myself to be on on camera sometimes for certain classes so that, you know, I could really force myself to look engaged just as like a way to keep my attention going during the class. And then I think like one other thing that I really didn't like about this format was also just the lack of connection I experienced between other classmates that I, I was taking the classes with. So I was taking to I guess like, I think I would say like 50 to 60 people or student classes this semester. And I didn't really come out of the classes knowing that much more about my classmates. And I wasn't really expecting to know everyone's life stories and everything, but I was kind of expecting to, you know, at least get to know other people in neighboring graduate programs or even just, I guess, like kind of being familiar and realizing like, oh, like, this, I see this person all the time, like, you know, we have the same ideas, or we have similar ideas, or we have similar thoughts, or, oh, you know, I, I tend to, like, compare notes, and, like, this person challenges me in a way, but I, I didn't really, I wasn't, I didn't have much of a, a chance to make those connections this semester, so I think that's one downside. I'm not really sure how we're going to fix that in the future just because like the solution of breaking the class up into breakout rooms like has its own challenges like Tashar said so it's kind of like a, a weird semester where there's all these challenges and it's kind of like on you to like really fix them but at the same time it's like I don't know it's only gonna go so far. I definitely wanted to echo what Hannah said it, it's there are a lot of challenges with remote learning and hybrid learning a lot of people aren't used to it and it feels it feels as though those the the choice of whether or how you overcome those challenges is placed almost entirely upon you. At first, I was kind of annoyed with why isn't you know why isn't the department doing that or the school do or like Atlanta like why are these challenges not being overcome or by other people? But then I kind of started to realize, and that was and that was a mentality that was very like reminiscent of my undergrad experience where 
you know, that there are challenges that were addressed by the faculty in order for the undergrads to have a more smooth experience, but kind of part of it being in a grad program is learning to be self-sufficient and learning to do things on your own, which, you know, was, it, it, it was kind of a growth moment to realize you're, I don't want to say that you're on your own because that makes it seem as though you don't have a support network, but like ultimately the motivating factor to overcome challenges in, in this learning environment comes from within. Yeah. And just to add on to both Gabriel and Hannah's point, I think, especially for, I think students in a human computer interaction program or like a very tech focused program, remote learning, I think became pretty frustrating for a lot of us. Like, why are these technologies that our school or this institution is pushing for us to use within our classrooms, whether it was like video conferencing tools, different chat tools, like question answer things, even though some of them are designed to be like really simple to use or user-friendly, or that's how they're advertised. Some things have a learning curve. And then we wonder like, why aren't there like more innovative tools out there? And um, at the same time, you wonder like how effective is it? And like whether like a simpler tool would be better or like how do you promote this type of like online engagement while still making it like easily accessible by everyone. So I think just the remote aspect of itself, like I think really pushed a lot of us to think about like, I guess our roles within HCI and our roles within UX as a whole too. Yeah, definitely. I think I echo a lot of these challenges, you know, with engagement, it was just so hard to stay focused during classes and also just kind of impose that structure upon myself. I think, yeah, it, it was, it was a difficult semester for like problems that I didn't really foresee. I think it's so lots of new challenges and Gabriel, I think you're so right about, you know, just like being responsible for your own kind of like structure and, and making sure you get the most out of school, even in this environment. And yeah, I, I just hear all of these challenges and I, I think I personally experienced all of them. Um, so thank you for sharing those parts. So now for our favorite segment of the episode, the hot take. So we've been asking our guests, you guys included, kind of about like what advice you'd have on topics like joining the program as a first year or working remotely or, you know, transitioning into HCI from another field, kind of along those same lines and kind of switching it up and turning it into a hot take question. What's an example of advice that someone gave you that like just did not really help? Like it was just useless advice. I kind of have my own spin on it because I think I haven't been given advice in a while, but I, I feel like in 2020, so many things have happened that we, okay, well, I don't know how I should phrase this, but I think people need to be honest with each other. And what isn't very helpful is when people kind of like sugarcoat the truth. And I guess that could be applied. I've seen that applied a lot to like, other people's feedback towards other like someone else's designs or you know critiques of systems and everything but I think we need to really be honest with ourselves because I guess like in this day and age like there's so many things going on that like I think it, it would just be best for people to grow and learn and and I guess like change things that we see are wrong and continue to think critically so I guess like for me, it doesn't really help when people give advice or people, you know, tell other people that, oh, your designs are, you know, like it, like it looks so good or like, it, like it makes sense. Like, I think we should like really like put it on ourselves to say like, hey, if that doesn't make sense, like I feel like someone should say something like, 
I don't know. I've seen, I, I mean, I'm still trying to like practice this in, in terms of like telling people like, Oh, like I, I kind of have a different opinion, but I don't know. I think we just need to be honest with everyone. You know, there's just so many things going on that we, we should all, I guess, just be honest with one another. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll get on that boat. Yeah. This has definitely been a year where like, things have just been really stripped down and even if they look fine on the surface you know there's just a lot of stuff going on underneath and I I agree that this this has been a year of a lot of honesty in that it's forced us to be very honest with ourselves and I think that's definitely a huge lesson that we can take from 2020 especially yeah so thanks for sharing that I feel like this is an ice cold take but it's really not nobody really is paying that much attention to what you're doing with your camera or your or your microphone like there's like an extent to which like within a certain range whether you're eating on your camera or you're picking your nose or whatever whatever you're doing on camera if you're in a large group meeting there are very few people who are looking at you and okay. i know a lot of people are like oh i feel I'm like turn my camera off i feel like i i have like the hot take for that me personally if you are brushing your teeth on camera i do not need to see that i don't think you should be showing that and i think people would care okay well then i guess i'll find another take give me uh, can you come back to me <laughs> this is this is what we live for the drama this is perfect <laughs> but um I think, like, to, to your point, Gabriel, I do think that, like, people worry a lot more about, you know, like, what people will say about them or see or, you know, like, we like to curate our image. And I think maybe this goes back to Hannah's point of, like, being honest as well. Yeah, I agree. Like, people care a lot less about what you're doing than you think you do. But I think to Hannah's point as well, like, we don't necessarily need to see you, like, brush your teeth. Right. I think there's, like, I think there's, like, a level of, like, acceptableness. Like, I would prefer it if I didn't see your whole morning routine. But also, if you're eating lunch during a class that's take, taking place during lunch, like, I'm not offended. That's just eat your lunch and enjoy it versus worrying about whether I'm paying attention or not. But I'll come up with a hotter take. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll wait for a hotter take. <laughs> Tushar, how about you? Yeah, just to, before I give you my lukewarm take, <laughs> to add to Gabriel's point, hey man, if if it's a, if the, if the routine includes a skincare bit to it, I, I would love some suggestions to be honest. So <laughs> I'm not sure if I agree with your morning routine thing. But So my take, I have two parts to it. The first, I mean, the, the, the general take is that all throughout my life, I've been told you can follow like a formula to success or you can see how other people became successful and just you know try to emulate that in some ways and i think so when i was younger that came across as you know going down a certain path in your career so like doing engineering doing certain things while you were in undergrad while doing computer science but now become more of like a ux thing where you know there is people think that there is just one standard ux process that you can apply to any project or any problem space in the world and just get to the right solution but the more and I honestly I think a part of me thought that that was true before I joined the program at Georgia Tech but the more time I spend on you know all these different projects over the last one and a half years I'm realizing that there is no perfect process right and I know we're taught that there's a double diamond process and you go through these various iterative stages but I remember, I think it was like a career fair event or something, but I remember someone was saying that instead of just going from one arrow to another, like in, in terms of like phases in a UX process, it's more like a bunch of squiggly lines. And I think we, all of us need to embrace that. So, you know, maybe this is something we can, we can put on our, put on our portfolios, but when we're explaining our design process, we can say that, Hey, we were expecting this to be a double diamond or whatever, but 
in the real world you realize that it's it's all a bunch of squiggly lines and you can't expect what's going to happen next or what your user is going to say or when you're going to pivot your problem statement but yeah that's my lukewarm take Tushar, that was not a hot take. I would say that was a bell pepper or pepperoncini at most on the Scoville scale of spiciness. I think that's some pretty sound advice, though. I think, like, it's easy to think that there's, like, a formula to everything, including the human-centered design process. You know, we think of that as, like, a cycle or, like, the double diamond, as you mentioned. But yeah, you're so right. Like, design is, like, it's just like wild and goes in a million different directions before you find the right one. And, and I think that's so true for just our careers and our lives in general. There is no real formula. And I think, and I think this has been a good year to kind of realize that as well. You know, like no one planned on this year being as wild as it was. So uh, yeah, I, I think that's just like really important to hear for, for me, of course, personally. But now how about you? What's your hot take? Yeah, I guess first, just because we're all commenting on Gabriel's initial take, I kind of agree with hannah so i did witness someone brushing their teeth while we were it was like a couple minutes before class so technically like we weren't in class yet but i joined early because we had a speaker that day and i just remembered like i could not like fathom why someone would be brushing their teeth on camera i don't know but then another thing is like so i was actually like toward the end of last semester when we first were trying like online classes after spring break and things like that i got really i get really distracted easily or i'm easily distracted and it's not even just what people are doing but sometimes it's what is behind them so like i i'm not distracted if like someone's in like an office or if they're like in their living room and there's like plants around and things like that but there was someone in one of my classes that she collects like antique dolls and she had all her entire t- collection on a shelf and she was sitting in front of the shelf and the whole time I could not help but stare at all of these dolls and it was like kind of terrifying but anyways so for my take I guess my take isn't really related to HCI or UX in general but in terms of advice that I've gotten I guess just like for a while, I think there's a common saying that people tell us, like, if you put in a lot of time and effort, then like, if you work hard, then you'll get what you want, right? And I've realized that like, you can put a lot of time and you can put a lot of effort. But like, if you're not addressing like what you're supposed to do or plan to do, then you're not going to get those like reward or like those benefits you want. So I guess my take is like, I just think that's terrible advice. Because it's like teaching us or it's like basically telling us like, oh, if you spend like 20 hours on something, that's better than someone else that spends 10 hours or something, but it might be the same work, right? So I feel like it's more about focusing on like, how can you effectively work and effectively make use of your time and skills and everything? And then just focus on like, what is the result of that? And what's the outcome? Because I don't know, all the other stuff is just noise at that point. (laughs) You're just like spending all of this time and it's like not really like worth it like I think it's okay to just do the bare minimum sometimes you know like you just gotta get by that's my take but I'm gonna throw it back to you Harshali as we do um on these podcasts but what is your hot take yeah love getting love getting the question tossed back at me I think my hot take just to sort of piggyback off of yours now I think like people need to not schedule meetings you know (laughs) Harshali you just took my hot take from me and I'm mad whatever you already had your chance no, it was a cold take. I was heating that take up, and then you took it. You can, you can add your two cents to my hot take if you want. All right, I'll add my two cents to that hot yeah, take. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think people 
I, I understand that like when we work with other people like there's just like a quality to that work that can't be really emulated when you work individually and like there's so much value to collaboration and and being a shared space and I think this year we really learned the value of that because we haven't had easy access to that so I understand that but also like we are I feel like this year has also been a year of just like meeting exhaustion and like being like just so tired of like Zoom and, and WebEx and whatever else, Blue Jeans, Microsoft Teams, whatever service you're using. Like there's just been a lot of that. And I think like there's, we just need to be more pared down and more respectful of like each other's times. And also just like get the work done, you know, like we don't need meetings. We don't need all these like, all these bells and whistles. Like let's just like put our heads down for a minute and just like get the work done and then have more meaningful collaboration, more meaningful conversations. I feel like, People just love having meetings, especially when we can't have them so easily. And I'm like, stop that. Please go away. But that's my hot take. Maybe Gabriel, you can chime in here since I stole yours. Yeah, my two cents on that is that I totally 100% agree with you. I think that there is, there's definitely some value in getting together as a group and ideating together as a group. And that, that I don't think that you can cre- recreate that in individual, in individual sense. That being said, I think it is v- critically important for you to learn how to effectively use the time that you have with people, because like you said, and I'm of the same opinion, meetings are meetings are kind of, they're not a, a, a joy for me. Like there's something that I, that I have to do and they're important and I will take care of them. But like, I'm not like signing on to this Zoom call, like hopping and skipping. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like looking to get some work done. So, uh, you know, spending your time doing like individual work. I know I had in class or outside of class or whatever. When you get onto a group call, I feel like my expectation is that the group call is going to involve the group 100% of the time. And then it's going to tr- end where uh, um, sometimes I know that there are, there are times where the group call exists and people kind of break out into their own sessions and they all like, you know, work amongst themselves, work individually, and then they come back together. And I feel like that interim period could be, it could be like, go work individually. And I think there's a lot of emphasis and pressure placed on working as a team when there are some things that are just better accomplished individually, you know, when it comes to writing up a report or conducting a user interview or finishing, finishing your homework on time where you have a group homework, like all those things there are part like you can do certain parts of those without requiring a meeting for it. Like meetings are not meetings should be like the last resort. I think is my is my take. Like if you can't accomplish something through any other means, then a meeting is is what you need to do. But I don't feel I feel like a lot of people reach for the meeting hammer and swing it on everything that they see. Yeah, so I think Harshali and Gabriel just gave me the best side project idea ever. You might have all heard of whentomeet.com, but now, but no one ever asks why to meet. <laughs> so I'm going to make a new side project by the domain whytomeet.com, and it's going to be a big text box that yeah, with a label that says, why do you want to have a meeting? And you can put whatever you want in that text box, like the meeting meeting agenda. And you press a button that says, you know, should you meet? And as soon as you press the button, it, it gives you just a simple blank HTML page that says no in the biggest font in Comic Sans that you can imagine. <laughs> and uh, we, we will be running ads and we will be open to sponsorships. So please be on the lookout for 2021. Exciting things are coming up. Wow. I think that's a great like plug-in to like a calendar app, you know, like that you use like Microsoft like Outlook 
calendar or whatever or like google calendar i feel like that's a good tool to tack on so follow up to char so no matter what reason you put in it will just tell you no you don't need to meet so i'm thinking there has to be various levels of redundancy built into this thing maybe we can have a text right below the no which is like in 15 point or you know a really small text and it's barely clickable (laughs) that says please, I really need to meet. <laughs> and then if you press that, there's like a flow chart. So it asks you a series of questions in a Qualtrics survey that, you know, how much time do you want? How many people are involved? And we will go through a whole logic sequence. And if they pass all the criteria and all the parameters, then we will maybe let them schedule a link to a meeting. Otherwise, no. Then we will maybe allow them. To- then you have my permission to meet. <laughs> Wow, I love the like addition of a Qualtrics survey in this, um, <laughs> of course. But I think another thing, I asked that because I would be fine with a why to meet with the result only being no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that is the easier solution here. So maybe that's the proof of concept. That's our MVP. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but I, I want to comment on Hershali's like, I don't, I, this is weird because I don't 100% agree with you. Um, with like the meetings thing like I know it's a bit contradicting but I think part of it is like if someone's gonna call a meeting I would like they just need to be prepared to lead that meeting I just feel like this semester we've seen like people call meetings and then it's like when we get to the meeting what is it for actually like who's the who's moderating it who's really leading it there's always like a little bit of small talk in the beginning like oh what are so like what are we doing today Uh, what updates do you have and it's like just come with an agenda Anyways, I agree with now. <laughs> Love it. I used to think that this is a super corporate idea where you like come in with meeting minutes and you take care and you like have a plan coming up front. I was like, that seems so bureaucratic. And I think now after this semester, I have decided that I would like an outline of a meeting to be prepared before the meeting. Maybe that's like some upfront work that you have to do to, se- to determine whether this meeting is worth having or not. I agree. I think like one thing that my manager tried to enforce over the summer was just like having a meeting agenda, schedule the meeting. And so like, you know, what exactly is going to happen at any moment of time in this meeting, more intentional collaboration, I think, and intentional group work. Yeah, man, meetings, the hot takes of 2020 meetings. Yeah. What can you do though? You know, I mean, just not talk to people. That's how I do it. True, true. (laughs) I think that's the problem. I think like people like meetings because they like they miss seeing people but they also like people have different expectations for meetings like some people want to meet because they want to like I don't know catch up with someone they haven't seen and then some people are just there to get the updates and and leave so people should we should just need, we just need to have more targeted meetings updates should not be a meeting this is my this is my other take stop 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 holding meetings and asking for updates updates can be a slack message or an email I agree I think we could do stand-ups by Slack or email easily. Stand-up Alice, trigger warning. <laughs> Amazing. Mm. Addressing whether vegans can eat, can find restaurants to eat, should be banned from all HCI schools. <laughs> Why? Because. Uh, Gabriel, can you tell us about your... Uh, uh, yeah, about your project. This semester? I said this knowing Gabriel may or may not be offended, but I have seen three years, or I think four, actually, four students' portfolios within the HDI from four different years, all in a row consecutively, have worked on this project. And I think someone needs to say this 
is not this should this should no longer be a project yes so so i'm not i'm not saying that that this not uh, a very actively explored the problem is that there's just not there's not enough vegans and vegetarians to talk to like our project one of the things that i'll say this semester is we tried to talk to a lot of vegans and vegetarians the space of people that you're trying to address is vast and like Anything that you do is going to be like address a certain subset of that population. And when you, and somebody else is going to be like, well, that doesn't quite address this subset. So it's like constant iteration in the space. Yeah. Well, I think another thing too, with this space is just like, at the end of the day, it's not like one of the big pain points is that they don't feel like they have a lot of options out there. So you could just aggregate them, which is a lot, oftentimes a lot of these potential solutions like push you towards these options that you might not know and you don't have time to filter through all of these menus and restaurants and stuff. But like the problem is restaurants are not providing vegetarian and vegan options. So like that's something you can't solve. You can't go to restaurants and be like, hey, you guys got to like, you know, have more options. That just doesn't work. There are definitely some problems that technology is just not the right tool to fix. Like no matter how much tech I throw at the problem of vegans and vegetarians, if there's no food for vegans and vegetarians to eat, no amount of technology that I have will solve this problem. That's that's a hot take in itself. Like tech doesn't need to solve everything. Although I feel like that's like, that's a, that's a pretty popular take. I think at this point. We had that in our ID episode. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) My hottest take is still I hate meetings. Like, definitely 100%. I found that whytomeat.com is available for $12, but I did some competitive analysis and turns out should it be a meeting.com actually exists. I thought you were joking. I mean, I it was like $12. I could have done it. It could have been featured on Product Hunt, but <laughs> I mean, I still think we can make a satire thing out of it because like, should it be a meeting.com is literally like it goes through a flow chart of, you know, how many people involved, blah, blah. But we could just make it a, make it a satire thing that says no. With a different reason every time you refresh the page. Make the design and the UX of the site absolutely <laughs> incredible, and be like, we serve, we talked to a hundred users to design this site to get make sure they got the most pleasant experience. And then it's just like ultimately, like if you look at the code, it just all directs to yeah. a single page. It's just okay. Let's see. Wait, I have one more hot take. My last one is that yeah, I just think it's an unrealistic expectation to be constantly be like everything that I do. I'm going to be proud of, and it's going to be fantastic. And it's going to, you know, it's going to have my blood, sweat and tears poured into it. Like if you pour all of your blood, sweat and tears into every project you ever work on, you're going to have no more blood, sweat or tears, right? Like just sometimes just it's okay. Like the project can be not your favorite project. It can be something that you're like not extremely passionate about, but it's something that you think is important, but like, I don't like one of the projects that I worked on this semester was not, I originally thought out, started out thinking it was going to be really fun. And then as we progressed through the semester, I found myself becoming less and less interested in the project itself. And it's just, it was not really a function of like where the direction we were taking it. I just thought this seems like this is just not fun anymore. And I'm not, I'm not like embarrassed by it, but um, it's not like a shiny gold star on my chest. Like I'm just not like super stoked about this project and like, ready to show it off like it's not probably not even gonna make my portfolio mm, that's a hot take we did this thing called fast friends last <laughs> fall and it was basically tinder for trains so you know I, I feel i feel like that that sentiment is perfectly fine but i don't know my hot take is like we don't always have to think like oh this project's not gonna make my portfolio or like this project's not gonna make this not gonna make that like 
you can just do a project to do a project, you know? Also, like, you don't have to like a project and be proud of it. I feel like people kind of put those things as one sometimes. But, like, I have projects I hate, but, like, I'm proud I did it, you know? And it should be, like, um, a learning experience. Just to add to Oh, yeah, add to it, Hershala. You add everything. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> just to add to that, I think, like, there's a lot of value in being able to do work that you're not necessarily passionate about. Because that's literally all of corporate life. Right. You know, like... Once in like a blue moon, you will find a project that you're actually truly passionate about and like satisfies like you creatively, intellectually, whatever. But I think like most of the times you're going to be working on projects that your manager just gives to you or like a team just comes up to you with, you know, and you need to be able to do great work without putting like your heart into it. And as Gabriel said, like your blood, sweat and tears. Um, and I think that's like an underplayed skill. I think, you know not enough people say that about industry or, or work in general it's like you just sometimes gotta pay the bills i was just gonna say i think there's a lot of people who transform who like what's it called like stockholm syndrome their way into liking a project where like they hated it first and then they're like oh but this is you know this is good for my portfolio or this is good for my career or whatever and they're just like okay now i like it but like it's okay to like people should be okay with not liking something like you don't have to right. like everything yeah i guess i was just gonna add i think i forgot you know how people always tell us like go after your passions you know and it's like what if you don't <laughs> wait what if you yeah, have no passion it. yeah like what if you don't have a passion i think i was just thinking about like because we were talking about like projects we're interested in and things like that like i've just realized i think people in our program have like really cool specific passions like and whether it's specific technology a certain problem space a population a part of design research whatever but i feel like i don't really have a passion but i like it you know so also <laughs> my passion is just like a guess honestly yeah. i it's there it's like i, I don't know i think it's maybe i just put too much power to the word passion all right well want to wind down this episode we want to say thank you so much to Dushar, Gabriel and Hannah for joining us on this last episode of the season of the HC Hive. We're happy we were able to chat with you and just kind of hang out with you guys as we wrap up this semester. And to all of our listeners out there, a massive thank you for tuning in this semester and listening to all of our guests amazing stories. Congrats on episode 15 from a fellow guest. Yeah we, we got 15 episodes plus random bonus episodes so Lots of fun content about HCI, UETS, and grad school. <laughs> and we just want to say thank you also to the rest of the podcast team, Savannah Phillips, Austin Pete, Taylor Scavo, and Matthew Lim for all the work that they've done over the course of the semester to keep this podcast going. They've been a huge help. Because if you know, you know. And if you don't, yikes.